we're back with another episode of Behind the Vinyl. This one is part C of the trilogy. Uh, first was Brent, uh, then was Todd, and now Miles Kennedy from Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. They have their the new record out in stores now, simply titled Four. Check it out. And this is our second chat with Miles, um, and obviously the first one about this record. Um, so hope you enjoy uh really nice catching up with him as always and we had a good chat and um hopefully off the back of these three shows you uh you've got a, a lot more rounded understanding of how it was to record this record enjoy the show guys i'll press record straight away uh good to see you man really good to see you good to see you welcome to good la to you. too you just arrived yesterday or today yeah yeah i got in uh Yesterday morning, bright and early. Nice, nice. Can you hear me? We, can, we yeah. can hear you. Yeah, you kind of lagged a little bit there for a while. Yeah, I'm wondering if it could be. Tell you what, let me go back to just the audio because maybe yeah. it's sucking up too much. Sure. I'll see if that see if that helps. Yeah, that's All probably right. better. Yeah. How's that? That's good, man. That's good. All right, that's cool. Um, let's jump straight in. Um, like this album was uh, extremely different in regards to recording. Uh, we've talked to Brent and we've talked to Todd as well about it. Um, and it's very free flowing and that kind of doesn't really kind of suit for a vocalist. Definitely. Cause it's a lot more challenging. Um, how, how did you find adapting to, to that style of recording? Well, I mean, as far as just the fact it was essentially recorded live. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it was, it was good. And look, it, it was good in the sense that I was very prepared um, because of the, the state of the world. I had plenty of time to, to make sure I showed up with all melodies and lyrics intact and ready to go. And then, you know, a lot of times in the record, you'll get in the studio and that can still be kind of evolving. So the fact that I'd, I'd had the luxury of having all my homework done, so to speak, um, was, was really wonderful because then as we were recording the basics, which ultimately became basically just the actual takes um, and I'm singing in real time with them as a guide, you know, it's just like, well, here you you do that just so people know where, where they are and it helps people kind of feed off of the energy. And, but uh, it, it helped it so that because of the fact that I ended up getting ill a few days later um, and they'd fortunately recorded a lot of those vocals, we were able to use them, you know? So it was, um, so that was in that sense, it was good. I think that the challenge was once I started kind of like my respiratory system started to deal with the effects of getting COVID, it was, it was hard to sing, you know, and you can really hear that by, uh, like I say, even on rivers rising, I mean, you can start to hear how congested I was and, and all that. And then at the point, and at that point, I didn't even know that's that I was sick. I thought I had some sort of gnarly allergies or something. So I, I knew that something was going on and it was um, making it difficult. <laughs> so if that, if that hadn't been there, if I hadn't had to deal with that, it would have been a really great, very, very, as far as being a singer goes, it would have been totally ideal because I would had the luxury of being prepared and, and the, everything sounded good and uh, we were off to the races. The record probably would have been done in just a very, very short period of time. But because we had to deal with this other issue, um, it, it kind of put a, 
uh, a few speed bumps in the way. I mean, as a singer, that that must have been, um, you know, <laughs> I just get a feeling that you would be more nervous than than anyone else, since it's it's your voice and your your livelihood is in that voice, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess f for me, yeah, I didn't obviously didn't want to hurt my voice because you can't do that. You can if you if you sing while you're sick and all that, you, you do run the risk of messing things up. So you have to be careful. But like I said, initially, I didn't know. I didn't know what was happening. I just assumed when we were in Nashville and my allergies are, are always really, really bad in Nashville and it was early spring. So I didn't know what was going on. But um, I think where the nerves would have come in is if I, if I would have known that as I'm in the booth thinking that I'm laying down scratch tracks, it's like, well, these are actually the tracks people are going to hear. And, and that, that, you know, because most of the time, 
you lay down the scratch tracks and then a few weeks later you go in and you, you recut the vocals. That's just how people do it. And, right. um, but, uh, Dave was, ha- I remember as we were tracking, Dave kept kind of looking in through the glass going, Oh, this is, you know, I think we're going to be able to use a lot of these vocals. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. You know, well, great. Um, I so I was, I was pretty surprised that he actually followed through with that. And, uh, so it was, it was that, that it certainly made it um, nice in the sense that I didn't have to go back to the studio <laughs> once I was once I was quarantining. Yeah, was was there any um, how much improvising was done there? Like I know the guys, like for instance, the end of uh, the river, uh, the river is rising. There's the improvisation of that that heavier, quicker kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Vocally, did was there was there much improvisation from your part in regards to melodies and so on? while recording melodies usually i have a things are usually done i usually for me the melody is so important i want to make sure that that's solidified um but but you'll hear like ad libs you'll hear like me doing like at the end of river is rising there's like a ah, ah, you can kind of hear it in the background kind of a very robert plant-esque approach um and it actually with what's interesting about that part is we were it was towards the end after everybody was feeling better and we were all back in the studio and we were listening back to that song. And I, and I had, I heard that in my head. And and so Dave just gave me a microphone. I think I was sitting in the control room and I said, yeah, just play it at that part. And I just started singing that kind of scat part just as, just as a texture, just as a thing to kind of tuck in with a bunch of reverb as kind of a, a a very vibey thing. You know, it wasn't like a melody. It was more just a, just a, uh, um, I don't know, just just something to uh, another flavor so, sonically. So that was that was definitely ad lib there towards the end.
recording live uh usually how much how many how many takes do you make for each song is like you you play like three takes and and then then you choose from that or or how does that work yeah a lot of times what will happen is you'll do three to five takes and then sometimes they'll piece together the best parts of each of those takes sometimes maybe a whole take will just work um yeah and and where we weren't using a click because dave hate dave cobb the producer does not like clicks which is kind of cool because he's like he wants he wants that human feel he wants that push and pull which hey man i i commend him for that because i i think there's something to be said about not playing to a click track and 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 a lot producers like playing to clicks because number one they can take they can basically so say you do three takes that you could take those three takes and line them up to that to that click and you can go okay well this part works here we'll take the first take here and we'll take the second take here and we'll take the third take here if you're playing without a click that makes that a lot more challenging so right. so you know that's uh, that was that was that was pretty cool way of doing it nice speaking um speaking of dave cobb uh you're pretty yeah elvis is your guy you know you've been with him with um for so long now you know for for various various different um you know projects you know slash projects alter bridge your own how how was it to uh to to record in a studio like uh, rca and to work with a producer like dave well being in a studio with you know steeped in that much history was really cool i mean knowing that I was singing in the same vicinity of, of where, you know, Dolly Parton saying, I will always love you. You know, it's like, that was, that was kind of, that was kind of mind blowing, you know, knowing the ghosts of, 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 of the past were hopefully hanging out as we were and helping us along. That's uh, so that was, that was, there was a certain magic to that. Um, And for me, just given my relationship with Elvis, it was, I, I think I went, I went into it wondering how I would feel because I feel so comfortable with Elvis and he's such a dear friend. Mm. And, uh, and, and it's that, tr- it's that trust level, you know, that's such, such an important part of making records. Um, but I, I knew that Dave had an incredible track record and just a few times that I talked with Dave, I did really appreciate him. I, I, I felt like he, he got it. He definitely got what we were trying to achieve. And so I think any sort of uh, questions that I had were, were put to rest very early, just because f- for me, it, it, a lot of it has to do with the personality and the kind of the disposition. And w- are, is this person uh, like, are they, are they somebody that is going to make me feel comfortable when I'm in there? And he definitely is, has that skill. He makes everybody feel really um, very confident. He makes everybody, I, I think he, ha- he understands that, that psychology. That's such an important part of being a producer. And Elvis is the same way. He's, there's a psychological aspect to it. That's every bit as crucial as getting the right tones and helping with the arrangements. Um, Dave, I think the reason Dave Cobb has become such a massive force here in the States as a, as a producer is because artists recognize that ability of, keeping it, keeping it relaxed. You know, if we'd be in, and, and, and he keeps it kind of spontaneous and fun. You know, we'd be sitting there talking. It's funny. We might be talking about something like a studio or something, uh, to a, a different studio and, or, or different 
I don't know, just musical history or whatever. And he goes, hey, why don't we just all back up and get in a car and let's go to that studio and check it out. Or, or, or no, actually it was a music store. I'm sorry, we were talking about, I think we were talking about gear or something. I can't remember exactly, but we just like get in a car and just go to this music store and hang out in music stores for an afternoon. And, and that's, so that's, that, that was, it was like having a field trip, you know, <laughs> I was like, in, it was like being back in elementary school and like, well, today kids, we're going to the music store and, <laughs> and, and, and when you love that, you know, and it helped. And I, so I think that that in a lot of ways helps keep everybody really relaxed and you don't feel like the clock's ticking and you don't feel any sort of stress. And uh, so he was, he was very, very, uh, I don't know. He, he was very effective in that, in that sense.
Well, that, that's got to be such a such an important part of the whole thing, as you mentioned now. Uh, I mean, the the human part of it, because I'm, I'm guessing you could be a phenomenal producer when it comes to technology technology and knowing what exactly what to do and so forth but you have that human side that needs to to click as well right i think it's i think it's arguably the most important part of it right because because you can have the look you can have the greatest studio with the greatest engineers get the greatest tones but if the vibe isn't there the vibe isn't there and it doesn't matter how good it sounds you want you want that you want that that um, that you look you want you want obviously you want good songs but you yeah. want those songs performed in a way to where the artist is is putting their best foot forward and they're capturing that vibe they're capturing that lightning in a bottle and it's being documented forever and you want somebody who understands how to how to get that um, it's interesting because I'd actually talked with Jay, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with Jay, Jay Buchanan from the rival sons. And we talked yep. about this a few years ago because he, he'd mentioned Dave to me um, the idea of using Dave for my first solo record. And, oh. and yeah, he, he mentioned that, I don't know, we were talking about like 2017 or something. And, and, um, and I, he, and I was asking him how Dave does vocals you know, how does he approach it? And he said that sometimes he, it's, sometimes just let's get in the car and go for a drive, you know? And, and, it, and, and it was that idea that he would get Jay in this very comfortable headspace, you know? And, and I think that that artists appreciate that. We appreciate when you understand the gravity of the situation and you know how to get us out of our own way ultimately. Cause that's what happens is you can get in a studio. Some guys have what I refer to as, as red light itis, meaning when you press that red button to record, you'll clam up, you know, you'll just kind of choke. And um, there's actually a really wonderful story. Glenn Hughes told me about someone when I won't say who it is, but he, he, he was telling me about a, 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 a singer friend of his who recorded this, just this amazing vocal, one of my favorite vocals. And we're talking about this, this track. And he said, you know how they got that track was, the singer was notorious for being kind of, I don't know, he, he, when he knew it was being recorded, he would essentially, you know, he'd start getting in his own way. And so he, they, they told him, all right, well, we're just getting the, 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 the sounds in here. We're just checking the microphone. So just think, sing it through and we're going to get the, get the tone just right. What he didn't know is they were pressing the red button, <laughs> you know, it was recording. And they got this magical, incredible vocal. And that was it because he, you know, he was able to stay out of his own way. And uh, so that's just a really big part of it.
obviously you did the rival sons records they're sounding so good you know yeah um, so good and and he actually did a band called europe uh which is oh did he yeah yeah oh, he, that's great yeah he did their last record which is by far which you know in their massive what 30 35 year career it's their first grammy they they won a swedish grammy for it it, it just sounds so so good that's a oh, that's yeah. another dave cobb one oh wow i didn't know that yep dave's um, great yeah yeah um, what about um, what about the, the 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 writing of the the record? You know, we know the majority of it was um, was written in sound checks along the you know for the last for the last tour. You know, you guys would uh, would you know riff it out and and work it out there. How how much of it from your side um, evolved on the stages? How much of the melodies and and even lyrics evolved way back then? A few of them did. You know, like actions speak louder than words that definitely i remember when we were jamming that that, that melody happened in like i remember we were in an empty arena during a sound check um maybe say la vie that might have been another one um but for me a, a lot of them did happen during the the, the demoing process right. and and so i would say kind of going through the set list i would say about 80 percent of the songs I had I came up with the melodies and lyrics while while we were while we we're doing the demos. Yeah. Oh. Cool. That's that's nice. really cool. Um, what's some of the standout songs for you for for whatever reason? Is there anything that really sticks out for you? Um yeah, probably probably fill my world. Uh, for me that I knew when I got that demo and uh, just out of the gate, I was like, Oh, this is such a signature slash riff. You know, this Mm. is such a, such a important part of what he does. And so I think that it was just kind of an immediate, it happened very quickly too. Like when I was singing along with the demo, the melody was not something I had to overthink. It just kind of happened. And, and then the the narrative of the melody, which is written from my dog's perspective, Hmm. um, which uh, made it even uh, more special for me just because uh, I love that little dog. (laughs) 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 So that's a standout track. (laughs) I, I think Todd, Todd pulled that out as well. You know, in reference to you, he, he pulled out that song as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, when we were talking the other day.
And Todd, when Todd actually, he came up with a really, that's a, I'm glad you brought up his name because there's a, there's a part in the song. Uh, well, it won't be long, it won't be long. That, that part was my, that's my melody. And Todd has a harmony that he puts underneath it. I'm trying to remember what it is. I can't, I can't sing it off the top of my head because it's too early in the morning. But, um, but, but when he added that melody, because we were, we were actually recorded his backup vocals at the, when we were all kind of quarantining. And, and uh, so I was recording him in, in, in this little room at the house. And when yeah, he, we heard when about that, you and, you and him, right? You and him in the back, in the back little house, right? Yeah. Yes. In the in the back little house, and we were we were put, putting together those backup vocals, or I should say, he he was, and I was just recording them. And uh, when he sang that part, when he sang underneath the melody that I had, I was just like, oh man! I mean, that it just gave me goosebumps. It was like that harmony is just incredible. I feel like it really elevated that part of the song. So, yeah, kudos to Todd. That, nice. That's actually that's actually the um, the secret weapon to the band. To be honest, absolutely you know, without a doubt. Yeah, and and without he, a doubt, he, he doesn't get it. And even Brent, you know, the fact that he they're so versatile, and I think they understand. And we we talked about it, Nicholas. Actually, like the fact that they all play so many different instruments. You know, Brent's a Brent's a, a, a piano keyboard player by by trade. You know that that and, and Brent Brent is the triangle guy as well. <laughs> Although. With- we did talk yesterday in rehearsal about me possibly playing that triangle part live. So maybe, right. maybe that'll be my, my feature, but, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Those guys don't they, look, they're incredibly talented. Um, and I feel like sometimes they don't get enough credit because they are a list talent without a doubt. Yeah. And I mean, you know what the, the triangle just quickly on the triangle, you joke about it, but that has to, that has to be a part of it. Cause that is such a, um, it's, it's such a, cool a standout thing. standout part in that you know in the beginning of that song it it, it has to be there really you know, oh yeah you know, absolutely yeah. yeah we're gonna have to we're definitely gonna have to pull that out so I'm gonna practice my my triangle <laughs> chops I'll be woodshedding for weeks preparing for the tour <laughs> well also dude it's been it's been ten years since apocalyptic love and and that's um, standing in the sun is one of my absolute favorites I just love that melody. And that song. I mean, what are your memories from from that album, recording that album, and you guys like finding your sound that this is what it's going to sound like? Yeah, I, it's you know, it's interesting you bring that up because we were Slash and I were actually going through yesterday just talking about different records and and how after all these years, you know, it was kind of going back and revisiting tracks to prepare for this tour and. And so I was listening to these albums and I hadn't heard them in a long time. And, and I, when I was spending time with apocalyptic love, it, I really appreciated it. I felt like that, that might be one of my favorites just because we were trying to establish our sound at that point for kind of where, who we were, where, where we were going. And I think that Eric Valentine did a, an incredible job as a producer. He's an amazing producer. I feel like we've worked with just, all a-, a list producers. I mean, we, we, everybody who we've worked with has been so good. Um, so yeah, that's a, I, I, I agree. There's something special about that record and, and also just so much time. It's been 10 years now. So you, you kind of get that a uh, little bit of nostalgia. So as I'm listening to it, I, I'm like, Oh, I remember being in that studio and there's another studio that 
had all this history in it. You know, Stevie Wonder used to record there. And, and right. so there was just, there was, there was all of this vibe oozing from the, oozing from the, from, from the, uh, the console, you know? Um, but I think the, um, the thing about that, that record is we did. And also I played guitar on that record, which was, that's yeah. the only of all the records, only, only one. So I remember I was wearing, to, to, I was I was working very hard during that during that process. You know, we're tracking guitars in the day and then singing at night, and it was it was a lot. It was a lot of work, but it was fun. Nice. <laughs> we we um we had a chat with we did one of these with Mark for the uh, for his for his record, uh, Mark Tremonti, of course, and um and we talked a little bit about songs that are recorded that never ever see the light of day live at all. Um, and, and he talked about many songs, you know, that, 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 that you guys have never played live in Alter Bridge or in, on Tremonti's band. Recording this live, does it make it a little bit more easier for you guys to, to bring them up? You know, you guys being a little bit more comfortable to, to have a go at them live? Yeah, that's actually, I think that's, that's, that's a good point. And I, I, I'm sure we'll probably play most of these songs live um and slash is the kind of artist who he's not afraid to pull out the the album track you know he's not afraid to put a set list together with deep cuts you know so i could yeah i could i could see that happening with most of these songs if i if i were to look at the list the only one i would think would be a bit of a challenge could be a challenge would be Oh, fall back to earth. I mean, that's a bit of an epic, but right. if, if he, if he hears me say that, then he's going to look at that as a challenge and then we'll have to do it for <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs>